a world filled with fast-paced living and constant demands on the aging body, it's easy to forget some of the simplest yet most essential elements of our well-being, hydration and nutrients. As you know, when I'm not in the studio recording a podcast or in the gym or out in the scrub hunting, putting rounds downrange, I'm somewhere in the world on a security gig, putting in the hard yards, ending up on TikTok. So legends that get some, keep me advancing forward, Jocko Fuel Supplements. More specifically, I've been smashing the Jocko Hydrate Sachets, which helps me replenish my electrolytes and other critical vitamins while boosting energy and supporting recovery. Also, just like my kids, my appetite for veggies goes as far as hot chips from the kernel. However, every morning I'll mix a scoop of Jocko Greens, Jocko Creatine into water, which helps me supplement my lack of and delivers all the nutrients for better gut health, immune support, cognitive function, and physical performance. And not to mention, tastes bloody good. So head over to www.getsome.com.au and use the code Zero Limits all in caps for a discount. I'll leave you with this for the day. Hard work, clean fuel, stronger, faster, smarter, better. Let's go. It's time for the Zero Limits Podcast, hosted by Australian veterans. Chatting with high-charging humans with hectic stories from around the world. We'll give you the motivation to take on whatever life throws at you and the kick to complete any goal you set your mind to. Let's go. Zero Limits listeners on today's Zero Limits podcast, I have a very special guest. Now, he is located in France at the moment, which we'll definitely touch on in a moment why he's in France. He is a former Navy SEAL and lived a pretty extensive life. Uh, again, which we'll touch on. As I said, he is in France and he is a current French Foreign Legionnaire, which is uh, absolutely incredible. I've, I've had a few friends. I think most of my listeners, being military, have got a few guys that have passed through the ranks of uh, being a Legionnaire in, in the uh, French side of things, which is absolutely incredible. And obviously r- rub shoulders with them, uh, especially in Afghanistan uh, during my time over there. And a lot of guys, I'm sure, have uh, done the same thing. Taylor Kavanagh, mate, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It's an honor to be here. You guys have had some straight fucking pipe hitters here. Bro, yeah, there's been absolutely some absolute, as you said, pipe hitters on the show to share their stories. But, mate, your story. Now, I had a few people reach out to me and send me your your Instagram profile and obviously YouTube videos, I checked them out and it's just got a story. You know, when you sent you through your bio, I'm like, holy shit, like this is this is a lot. Like you've done it in a, such a short time of your life. You know, 1985, you're only a year younger than me. So you've done a fair bit. But the, the rawness and the realness of what you're putting out there currently on Instagram and YouTube is just next level and is exactly what the world needs to hear. It's it's brilliant. You know, it's it's blown me away just by how it's been received and some of the message I re- the messages I receive. I'm going, man. You know, I knew I knew it was gonna hit. I knew it was gonna hit, but I just didn't know it was gonna hit this well and that it was gonna I was gonna be well received like I have been. And so it's it's really been humbling. I don't really like that word humble, you know. But I, we all know what we mean. You know, it's just like wow. You know, all that pain and, you know, 
self-induced pain, mind you, uh, was was for a reason. And it, it feels good, man. It, it really does. Yeah, and exactly like when you talk about this pain, like just quickly, we'll definitely talk about it a bit further. But, you know, we're talking jail. There's, you know, getting booted from the seals for, you know, and then going to jail. And I think going to jail before you went, you know, become a seal. So there's so many uh, different aspects here that we'll definitely touch on. Mate, but before we do, let's get back to the younger days. 1985, born in Boston, mate. Run me through these younger days of growing up and, you know, family life, schooling, et cetera. And, you know, what, obviously, what led to you joining uh, the Navy? Absolutely. Yeah, born in Boston area, Gloucester, Massachusetts, to be specific, just north of Boston. Shout out to Gloucester. And, uh, but we moved to California. My dad was in the Marines. Not a career guy, you know, in six and out, but that brought us to Southern California. And glad because the winters are much better. You know, we got that... Uh, got that San Diego life. We were, and he got out and struggled a little bit, which I think, you know, now that I understand what that's like, and a lot of guys who are listening do that kind of gap where you had a purpose, then you don't, then you're in civilian world and family and just, and there were some problems with some drugs and alcohol. He'll be the first to admit it. And so a lot of chaos, but I had a great childhood, you know, mom, sister, growing up in Southern California, be skateboarding. I think a lot of people in Australia, that, you know, on the East Coast of Australia, similar cultures, mm. you know, and uh, played sports, very supportive parents in that capacity. We're always pushing the athletics and on my sis- little sister as well. You know, I was sport- swimming, soccer. Football for y'all, American football, lacrosse, and all year round. It was just kind of what 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 was we all loved it. And then moving into high school, you know, my parents split up, and um, I moved in with my grandparents and uh, with my mom and sister up in uh, a more affluent part of San Diego. We were in kind of a rougher neighborhood growing up, and. That was a great move because the chicks were way hotter. <laughs> the uh, the sports were way better and just an overall better environment. And that flourished there, really did. Accolades and football, lacrosse, a lot of opportunities started to present themselves. And I was just pretty structured growing up. I, you know, I did my homework. I, you know, got a little, but I wasn't a bad kid. And then the girls start, you know, then I'm starting to lift weights Then I'm starting to get tattoos. Then, uh, you know, at 16, getting tattoos and And then that's where kind of the bad habits start is that's when, if I could look back, that's when it's when I started to maybe get a little full of myself, that ego started to grow a little bit. And, but I was, in, I, I was so I had la- I lacked self awareness the max. Some are old souls. I'm a very young soul. I would say I had a n- no awareness of what was going on, and I was just in the moment. But I'm going to back up a little bit of when that special force seed got planted in my soul. It was 1992 October. Fuck man, about the same time 
uh, the same time of year. And I was standing with my father. I was seven years old. And I, we were standing on this hill overlooking San Diego Bay. And I saw these little glow lights blowing, bouncing around in the water. And I was like, dad, what's that? He's like, oh, those are Navy SEALs training in the water. And I was like, my, I get chills thinking about that moment because I was like, whoa, 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 back it up. Yeah. There's guys out in the water. What, what are they doing? And then that just started this kind of an obsession, but I was men with green faces, the documentary. People are familiar with that. I said, you know, Australian SAS, that's BS. I was that whole world was, it was open to me and, you know, library books at the time, you know, there was no internet and I just could not get enough VHS tapes and blockbuster. (laughs) And uh, that's what I was doing. And, but that kind of got shelved as I was in that, those high school days. I knew that was like, oh, commando, that's like, that's a thing. Okay. But I'll do it after, you know, after the, this party and I'll do it later. But it was definitely happening. And as I'm kind of approaching that end of high school, I think a lot of guys, now the Iraq war is kicking off, right? I'm right at that time. It's 03. But for me, that was like, not even on my radar. That's how like lack, lack of self-awareness I was, but because it was just in that, in my area and my family, my grandfather was a captain in the Navy, Naval Academy. My mom was like, you're going to go to college. It was just kind of like an extension of high school. That's how it was. It was mandatory. I didn't even view the military as an option. yet. So I was, so that's why it got pushed even further. So that's what I did. You know, but as I'm approaching graduation, I get kicked out of high school for possession of marijuana, fighting, and uh, just stacked up a couple things. And they were like, and so all those opportunities dried up, you know, the, the, any scholarship opportunities. And I was okay. And then there was one school that would, that wanted me to play football and lacrosse. So I was like, let's do it. Small school in Orange County. D3, people are familiar with that as it's like nothing, you know, and I went up there (laughs) right before we get up there, I get in a huge car accident. We roll this truck in the desert. I fly out like 30 meters, eject out of the vehicle, uh, dislocate my hip. I still have a huge scar. We rolled the fuck out of this toy, lifted Toyota Tundra. And so I'm banged up going in there. So that's not setting my freshman year up well. And I just immediately pretty much get kicked out of school. Marijuana, off partying, pretty much fail out. And so then I'm back in my mom's house, you know, back in my mom's, starting to go to community college. If you guys have that same thing down there. Yeah, similar. Junior college, just, you know, not going, smoking weed. Just working construction, it's masonry, you know, carrying bricks during the day, trying to go to school at night, barely doing anything though, right? Missing work, missing school. And so now we're about 19 and I get fail out of two more junior colleges. So I have three failed schools. I'm a fucking nobody. And I had this moment of realization 
fuck, man. It's almost the same to the damn. It's weird with the dates right now. I, I'm a huge fan of dates and how they light up. Yeah, I love that like congruency in life. But it was actually October 11th, 2004. I woke up and it was raining, and I just had this. I was dealing drugs. I was I was not going to school. It was bad, man. And I just woke up and I'm like, I am. My, this is my life right now. I'm miserable, absolutely miserable. And so I called my dad. My dad, he's you know, ton, a lot of substance abuse issues. He's somebody I knew I could talk to, and he would just—he's very level-headed about this shit. And I said, "Dad, I, I need you to come get me. I need to like just get out of here." He so he's like, "All right, hold on." So he came over. I gave him all the money I had, drugs, uh, everything, and I said, "Just." I just want to walk away from my whole life. Like truck, apartment, I don't want anything. And I went into this, like, for lack of a better term, like a lockdown facility drug rehab for five days. Just, uh, you know, I wasn't strung out on drugs, but my, it was like a psych ward, really what it was. And my dad comes in five days later and he's like, so how's it going? And I'm like, good, man. And I'm telling him my plan, you know, I'm, Hey, so I'm going to get out and I'm going to start this little business here. And I'm like, and he's like, are you sure that's what you want to do? He's like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll stay in San Diego. And that's, I was like, I know what I'm doing. And he said, Taylor, you don't have fucking shoelaces. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing, bro. <laughs> like, and that was a moment I go, damn. He's right. I don't have shoelaces, man. <laughs> like, who am I to say about what I know? And so I left. I went back to Boston. He's like, let's get you a ticket out of here. Best thing that ever happened to me at that moment. So I move in with my aunt and uncle and do the basement of their house and start going, start working with landscaping and just kind of get myself back under me. Then start school, have a plan. Then uh, I'm doing well. Grades, I'm, I'm lifting, I'm practicing Muay Thai. You know, I'm like real structured days, waking up at four, lifting, and man, I crushed it for like a year and a half. Just really good grades, good enough to where I could transfer back to California to go to University of California. And that's what I did. Got got into the university and I'm back on it, right? I'm back in. I'm okay. I'm seeing some progress. Get back to the university, big school, girls, boom, all the discipline goes out the window. Pretty much day one, like, actually, you take that back. The first day I go, okay, I'm on an apartment on the campus. I'm going to keep it locked on. Then the first girl goes, hey, want to go out and drink? <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Right? Just immediate. And I just, uh, there was no sense of, you know, okay, what was social drinking? I was fucking full bore, you know. Spent a lot of money. I was just on it. But people would ask me, hey, what are you going to do after college? And I'd be like, I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. And there was one guy's dad who was a SEAL. And he was like the only one that was like, oh, yeah, that's actually legit. And I was like, that was just what I was doing. Like, I'm going to the military for sure. So I wasn't that worried about internships or getting a job after. I was just partying. Then I'm going to go in the military. So week by getting graduating and in this period of college i'm working at a bar i'm doing security i'm waiting tables and during this period of college of 
two years in University of California, Santa Cruz. Beautiful campus, epic. Banana slugs. But I got arrested probably seven times at, during this period. Drunken publics, disturbing the peace, DUI, driving on suspended, possession of you know prescription drugs without a prescription. All these little things, right? But they're little, right? Some of them were just, you know, a hot and a cot, you know, sleep it off. Some of them were a little paperwork, but, you know, I'm, I'm picking up trash on the weekends in a vest often <laughs> while yeah. I'm up at school. And, uh, but it was just kind of like, I wasn't like tr- worried about it. I, I wasn't, I was so immature. I didn't understand the gravity of what I was stacking against myself. Until I'm graduating. Now that later time to join the military has arrived. It's okay. Now, later is now. So I go to start taking the military entrance, like IQ tests and those things. And they're like, bro, you're on probation and shit. Like, we can't fucking touch you. Like, and I was like, oh, this is, oh, this is like a thing. Like I have to like deal with this now. I can't just like coast by. I still have legal cases pending while I'm talking to these people. They're like, no, 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 no. You got to clean all this up. And this was, I was still up in Santa Cruz at this point. So I go, okay, let's go back to San Diego, go back to my mom's house and let's square this away. I get back there and I go into a Marine recruiter. Enlisted Marine recruiter because I wanted to be a SEAL, but my mom kind of knew this guy through the school. She's a high school teacher. And so there was like a recruiter there and she's like, hey, go talk to this guy. And I was like, because to be quite honest, SEAL was like what I wanted to do, but it almost felt like a dream. Like it almost felt like a pipe dream because growing up in San Diego, being the proximity of the base gun water demolition selection tours in um, Coronado, I knew guys that had went all American wrestlers and shit. Nobody made it. And everybody ended up scraping barnacles in the Navy. Mm. I wanted a gun and I wanted to deploy. That's what I wanted to do. And so I was like, the Marines are going to be the best way to do that. I walk in there. He says, same thing. he's like, dude, you're on probation. Like we, you have to get that cleared up. There's just nobody that can touch you. So I talked to an attorney and I Hey, here's the deal. They go, okay. I say, is there any way a judge can commute this probation sentence? Because it was, I had three additional years. So I would have had to wait three years or figure this out. And waiting three years was not an option. Like that was an absolute no go. So the attorney talked to the judge and it was kind of a left leaning area. And he said, yeah, I'll commute to probation, but 180 days in jail. Oh fuck! And I was like, okay. I was like, that's a win for me. I, I was, I was like, yeah. The lawyer's like, whoa, 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 180 days, man, for misdemeanors. Like, this is a little much. Like, and he goes, all right, four months. So that's what I did. I said, okay. I signed the paperwork, and I flew back up to Santa Cruz, and I did four months in jail at a 24-hour lockdown facility, not prison. So you're not allowed outside. So I didn't see the sunlight for four months, and you're in. Uh, there's no yard. There's no any of that. And it's like, you, you, we had a small patio, but it was all covered up. 
covered in. And everyone's felons in there. Everyone's, you know, violent felons waiting trial to go to federal prison. So there's a lot of mixed bag. But I was happy there. I was fucking stoked, man. I was like in a, actually a good mood there because it finally felt like I was cleared up this shit and I could move on with my life. And, uh, but there I am, I'm, you know, doing my dips, push-ups, kind of getting that prison pump going. And uh, a funny story when I'm coming up to my release date, they released me the day after Christmas, I'm midnight. My girlfriend comes pick me up, but then I'm walking out. The guard goes, hey, what are you going to do, man? And I said, I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. And he fucking laughed. He was like, ha ha. And I, looking back, good on him. Like, like he's like, dude, you're in jail. <laughs> like walking out of jail. Like, what? <laughs> and I was so, I was delusional. It really was. It wasn't confidence. I had no idea the administrative hurdles that I was going to have to jump through and how it really was just destiny if it was going to work out or not. And so I go back, kind of get myself under me, go back to San Diego. And I'm like, okay, now I'm cleared up. I'm going to go talk to a Marine officer recruiter. I go into the Marine officer recruiter. He says, well, we got to take some pictures of your tattoos. Like that's kind of a thing. So, and I didn't have my full sleeves. I didn't have neck done or all the, any of that yet. I just had my whole back and a little on my arms and little on my legs, but not much, but my whole back was done. And they take pictures, they route it up the chain and it comes back. Nope. Not only no, but fuck, you can't even enlist. The Marine Corps put out a thing on, they're like, no, countrywide, I can't even go into any Marine recruiter. They won't take it. And I was like, and I don't have gang tattoos or nothing like that. They just, they said too much of a percentage of your body's tattooed. So I was like, well, okay. I kind of took that on the chin. I go, I, I got it. I'll go to the army. The army will take anybody. I got it. Right? <laughs> you got green berets, bro. Right. I got this. I'll go ranger green beret or, you know, I'll take one of those special programs. I go to the army recruiter. I, and mind you, at this point, I'm living at my mom's house. I'm riding a bike. I'm sleeping in my fucking High school bedroom, right? I'm a fucking loser, right? And I was starting to feel that. That that pressure, that reality was starting to really hit on me. My uh, delusion was kind of going away. I'm going, I'm a 24-year-old, 23-year-old kid sleeping at his mom's house riding a bike, right? That reality was starting to kind of, oh, fuck. I better just keep going on this. So I ride my little bike down to the army recruiter. Kind of go walk in. I said, hey, man, I want to be, you know, this and that. They go, okay. They did a preliminary background check. Now, mind you, I had been arrested in, in uh, up at college, but I had been arrested in San Diego also, in Boston. Like, I, I just stacked up. Not bad. I wasn't stealing, in, but just being a knucklehead, for yeah. lack of a better word. Drinking too much. Being rowdy. Which, which I think a lot of our list, your listeners can come, because we're all yeah, of course. guys. We're all, we're all guys that are had that fire in us and especially when you're younger we got that that storm in us and i and i know all the listeners can can understand like, yeah yeah it's just that that's exactly what it was and so they they did the background check and they said no way 
can't enlist. And mind you, I'm walking out. They have some fat kid doing step, step ups. And he's going in the army. And I'm going, you're going to take him and not me? Fine. So I go back home. And now I'm starting to get real concerned. Real concerned. And I was, for about three days, I laid on the couch licking my wounds. Going, fuck me, man. Oh, no. And so it's about that. This time, I start researching the French Foreign Legion. I go, okay. And I found them online. And I think this is where they kind of came on my radar. Might have heard of them before, but this is where I really started digging in. I go, okay. They take guys, checkered backgrounds. I I could do this, possibly. But I still had life shit. Student loans co-signed with my mother. Things like that, that I just couldn't pop chops and fly to France. And I was like, I got, I, I got to push all, push this in the United States as far as I can. But at least I have that on deck in an emergency. So I'm laying on the couch and I just had this, those beautiful moments of clarity where higher consciousness or whatever anybody wants to call it kind of says, hey, gives you a little guidance. Get the fuck up. What it said. Write down your charges on a piece of paper. That's what I did. I got up. I just, I was like, what do I actually have in black and white? Like with paperwork, not when I just got hooked and booked and let go. You know, I didn't say any of that stuff, but just like what actual charges and what were the dispositions of the cases? And I wrote them down and everything was paid. Dispositions were cleared and it didn't look that bad on paper. I was like, Okay, I typed it up, made it look nice. And I was like, I'm going to go in the Navy recruiter with this. Let's do this. So I ride my bike down the, the Navy recruiter is right next to the Army recruiter, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like the strip mall, how they, how they always are. And I ride in and I, you know, my little huffy or whatever it was, and I <laughs> park it. And I walk in and Petty Officer Ramirez, never forget this, walked in and I, I said, and I was surrendered at this point. I, I almost was just like this. It's a Hail Mary. I don't know what you guys say in rugby, but whatever. When yeah, you just same lob thing, it. Same thing. Pray for the, pray for the best. Uh, and I handed it to him and I, and, I, and I said, can you work with this? He looked at that thing for a million years. That's what it felt like. And he looked it back at it and he said, we can work with this. Man, I get the chills again. That, that moment where I just was like, and he said, but you're really limited on what you can do in the Navy. He's like, you can be a turd wrangler or be a Navy SEAL. Because at this point, they needed Navy SEALs. They were like having a real, they needed to plus up. And they weren't getting guys passing. And uh, they needed better candidates. And I said, well, that's what I'm here to do. So let's, let's, let's party. What do I need to do? Who do I need to talk to? And so I had to get in the Navy first. How it works in the United States, and I'm sure it's similar in Australia, is you have to get into the Navy with a job rating. They don't just give you a SEAL contract out the gate. This is at least how the Navy works for special operations, for the, for the special programs in general. Navy, EOD, Diver, SWIC, and SEAL. These they. You sign on an initial job, and then you have a ship date on that contract. So between the present time 
and the time you have as your ship date, you have to earn that special contract that, and then you sign a new contract. So my ship date was like 10 months out or like the following 11 months or something. I had a little bit of time. I said, okay, let's, I signed this aviation tech or something was my thing and my rating. And then I started, I started reaching out. We started the MEPS process, military engines processing. And that was nerve wracking at the FBI building. I'm strategically answering questions, a lot of questions. And it was stressful uh, to say the least. Like many days I had additional interviews. They were hammering me because I had so many holes in my shit, but it was, but I was smart about how I answered stuff and don't lie. I'm not, not saying lie, but be strategic and smart. Right. And so, uh, I went through that and what do you know? I'm in the Navy. And now I'm okay in the fucking Navy. Now I can act now when you're in the Navy because you passed the medical. Yep. You can actually start taking the SEAL physical screening test to start getting your name on that racked roster to get a contract. And I reached out to a SEAL motivator. It's a guy that is a former SEAL, retired, and they control regions of the United States and they overlap. And they're guys that they can proctor the screening tests, they conduct training and all that. I reached out to him because at this point, I'm probably 15 kilos heavier than I am now, like that prison buff. (laughs) And I couldn't run two kilometers without stopping dead serious couldn't run two kilometers without stopping and uh, the first time i showed up he goes you're fucked there's no way you're pat you're gonna do that or you're gonna pass he didn't say no way but he's like you're fucked and, I, and he's like but keep showing up so i did i kept showing up and i was pu- puking every day i mean hard four-hour workouts just just really hardest I've ever worked in my life, swimming, running, like really hammering us. And I needed it. And, but the first PST I did, I failed miserably. Failed the run, sit ups or something. And I remember standing in that failure line going, I'm not going to be here. Let's keep going. And so from that day on, I took a seal screener test. Every week for nine months, every Monday, I was the only guy to take every single one every week. I needed it because I needed background waivers, tattoo waivers, all these different letters of recommendation from SEALs and retired SEALs to actually get a contract. I needed a bunch of shit and I got it. One day, eight months later, I get a contract put on the desk. The trigger calls me, you got your SEAL contract. And I signed it. August 26, 2009, and I had a February ship date. I ship in February in a special force division with all SEAL candidates. This is boot camp, Navy boot camp, but in grouped up of SEAL candidates. And so uh, just to give a numbers from that original boot camp, out of those hundred, nine guys ended up being SEAL. 
hard, hard hitting motherfuckers. We had a good group. Some of those guys are still rocking and rolling, if you know what I mean, at those high levels. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we, I had a really, really good. We had a good crew coming in at the right time, like real fucking good. Like nine, like five out of those nine are at the top tip of the spear right now. You know what I'm saying? Those mm. guys listening, you know what I'm talking about. And um, then we go into Bud's prep. Good course, good course. Working out three hours a day. Things are a little bit more lax now. We're we're actually working out. The group's kind of getting a little cohesive. And then we do a test out. That's a thousand meter swim, you know, pull up for, you know, seven kilometer run, things like that. And they take the top 75% and we ship out. Now, mind you, on the off the field shit at this point, because that's like a lot of my message, how important, and this is because that's the message everyone can grasp is I'm locked on. I am so locked on. I am resting on the weekends, stretching, working out. Like nothing, not good. I did. I had nothing to celebrate. That's kind of how I was. I was given a chance right now. It's a miracle I'm even here. I was in it, I, and I was so happy because I felt like I was in my purpose. And so I was just linking up with the guys who were in that same mindset, and we were just crushing, working out, all that shit, ready to go try to get to the SEAL teams and we ship out the buds and we, we start class 284 in June of 2010 and carnage, <laughs> carnage, you know, carnage. I wasn't ready for that, you know, what it was, but it was powerful. Very, very powerful. We we flew out with 400, a bunch of guys quit. They wanted, they knew they were going to quit. They want to get to San Diego to kind of get a better deal, right? We're in Illinois at yeah, the time, yeah. so they change jobs. You know, they're, they're strategically gaming the system. And so we start with 285. Three weeks later, we have 185. Now we're starting first phase. Then we're going into hell week three weeks later. Now we're down to 50 dudes, right? We're down to 50 dudes from that original 400. And and we're pushing. Now I got through hell week in the brown shirt. And... Still locked on, still pushing. I want to get through buds where I'm resting on the weekends. Dudes are going out. I just wasn't in that headspace. I was just in it. And we go through and diving, all this and smooth. I had a couple little incidents, like one or two out in town where I got blacked out and could have been bad, right? Some close, a couple close calls, but two, one maybe during that time. And um, and in this pipeline, if you get an alcohol-related incident, you're done. You're done. You're toast. So it's one and go. You have no uh, no. Uh, so I don't even know why I was risking it. To be quite honest, uh, it didn't doesn't make sense looking back, as most things do. But uh, but we graduate. You know, we graduate with our with our group. You know, it was uh, an unbelievable day. Uh, and then uh, we're moving into SQT, still locked on. We go into land warfare, I mean, mountain warfare in Alaska, a month. And we're in diving, a month, combat diving, BBSS. And we're in close quarters combat for a month. Then we're in land warfare. Then we're in sky, you know, the skydive cell, month. Then we're in that secret squirrel low profile operation cell. And we're at SEER 
And Sear was, you know, everyone, guys who have done it, you know, it's just kind of a fuck, fuck game. But it was like a party for us, you know, almost done. Two weeks later, yeah, I'm naked, locked in a box for three days. But man, we're right there, right? Everyone's got to be in good spirits. And we graduate July 2011. We had 13 originals. I was one of 13 originals who passed the whole course from start to finish, no rolls, no failures. And July 2011, and then we're going into language school. It was forced on us at this time. Anybody that graduated from SQT got their tridents. Didn't go to this. You got attached to a SEAL team. I got SEAL team seven, but you're not actually at the SEAL team yet. You go to language school. We went to, I went to Arabic three months. Now things start getting a little loose, not super loose, but looser, looser, right? Now graduated the SEAL. Not ego, because I still I was aware of what was going on at the team. You ain't shit. You just show up there fucking beating your chest. You can get your shit pushed in, right? You know. And um, but we're 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 out the bars, we're doing our things, but things are still going smooth. I get arrested. And we're right at the tail end of SQT for a drunken public. And I was the regret of that next day when I knew. Almost everything I had just done was possibly finished is something that I know everybody can identify with that, that shame of regret that next day that I just go, it's no way to live such a misery. I don't worse it on. I don't wish it on my worst enemy. Seriously. No, that, that regret of what we were doing, trying to find happiness in the same place. We always lose it, you know, out there party doing shit that just doesn't make sense. And then, we're in dire straits the next day. But the cop hooked me up, didn't run any paperwork. I talked to my leadership. They were like, we're not going to say anything. But if, but if some paperwork kicks back, you are going to get slammed. Nothing ever kicked back. So I just, okay. Fuck. All right. I got another, I got another break. Okay. We're, we're moving. Now I'm locked on again, right? I'm hitting these, these, this I'm in this, I'm running a master class on self-sabotage, right? Throughout my yeah. life at this point. Like possibly a master class. And SEAL Team Seven, I check in. I remember getting to my cage in my locker, and I'm thinking, I am here. Finally, like, whoa. That's it was a really cool moment. And I was really focused and really motivated to be there. I mean, there first. Good new guy. They're first. They're last. Working out before, you know, just real anything to help the team. And it was noticed. It was noticed by leadership. And so I get some pretty interesting opportunities for you out the gate. They said, hey, everyone's going to go on vacation, but we got one spot for communications course, which is nobody wants to go to comms course, right? It's like you're carrying a radio. Like it's just like not sexy. I said, I'll go, right? And that, that decision actually helped me out so much because I go, when everyone's on vacation, I go to this course, then I come back and they go, hey, we need a guy who all the team has just got back from Afghanistan. They were on 11 month deployment in Afghanistan. So they're all on vacation and there was a spot open for the joint terminal attack controller course, which is not really given to new guys. But they're like, we need a guy who has comms and you want to go? I said, Yep. So I went January 1st, I go. Pass, so I have a JTAC call. Comms is a new guy. 
I come back. They said, hey, we need a comms JTAC guy to go to Sniper. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I said, they said, you're going to shoot. And man, the older guys were not happy about that because I was stepping over in front of a lot of guys who just got back from Afghanistan. A lot of stuff. It was a little tight at first, but they got the picture. We did a shoot off and I passed. So I get sent to sniper school. Now, right before so I get booked for sniper school. Now, a little funny story here. In between this period, we go to the G20 summit. We're going to the G20 summit. And where is this at? in Cabo, Cabo, Mexico, 2012, they're doing oh, the G20 no. summit. So Obama's down there. But at this time, there's the issue with the cartels. So they were really concerned about any time the president was moving, issues of him having issues with the cartels, potential kidnapping, whatever. Uh, so they needed a small group of guys. They needed a JTAC. They needed a comms guy. I'm that guy. They picked me as one of the one or two new guys to go down in this small group. I'm thinking, Cabo, oh. chill. <laughs> this is going to be epic. But we pulled uh, SEAL Team 8 pulled the good straw. SEAL Team 7 pulled the short straw. And we get the Marine operation, the Marine extraction operation. They get the on-land overwatch. We get the Marine extraction. What does that mean? Well, we were about to find out. And we get on an LHA, which is like a small aircraft carrier. Yep. We San Diego. We're with a bunch of Navy guys. We get... we float down there we unload into a landing craft unit like a smaller boat launch out and we have swick guys with us with their ribs and we have zodiacs loaded onto the ribs and we float out there and our whole mission set was to be shot jocked up anytime the president was transiting and we were working with the marine mexican marines kind of in tandem but we were three kilometers off the shore floating back and forth and anytime the president moved we would get in the smaller boats jocked up that was the whole mission set sleeping on a weather deck on the lcu was sunny it was nice it wasn't a bad thing at first then the storm came and we're getting huge swells heavy rain we're needing to jump back and forth to monitor comms onto the smaller boat that's getting towed things are actually starting to look a little sketchy Boats are smashing up, both being towed are smashing up against the LCU. And they go, we we have to get out of here. We need to go inland and port. So they route up, because you can't just roll into Mexico with machine guns without getting. So they gets route up the chain, get approval to go in at night. And But we need to get onto the smaller boats. And they have been unhooked at this point. So we need to jump. Me being a new guy. And thinking it was Mexico and thinking, really thinking it was going to be chill. I didn't even fuck with my flotation in my, in my, in my kit. I had one water wing. Maybe if it, maybe it had a CO2 canister in it. Maybe I didn't even check. I was just so like not thinking it was going to be this heavy and we need to jump on. And I'm like, here, I'll go first. I have my M4 routed into my kit with metal because I was just, I didn't want my, I didn't trust my sling. I didn't want to lose a gun as a new guy. Yeah. <laughs> I have it strapped to my chest. I have it wired in 
So there's no getting rid of it. Backpack, helmet, nods, full kit, full loadout, pistol, uh, a radio in my backpack. I'm heavy, real heavy. I jump. I hit the side of the rip. I go in the drink. And I am in huge, huge swells, three, four meter swells, trying to get away from this prop, trying to tread water with full kit, no flotation. And I'm barely, barely hanging on. And I'm starting, and it's, I don't know how long this lasted, but I'm about to die, right? I had no, I was just going down. It might've been 30 seconds a minute, but it was, and I'm, I'm like, this is it. Oh shit, I'm going to die here, right? And uh, the hand of God came down. It ended, It was my, actually, see, uh, my, my OIC. <laughs> he reaches down and he grabs my hand and I grab him. And pull, the rib had got, gotten to me and finally I get in. And he pulls me up and the first thing I hear, he goes, want to lift? <laughs> and I'm just like, this dude, man. And that shook me up. That shook me up because I yeah. realized that it was sh- what I was doing. There was no more. This wasn't playtime anymore. Yeah, this wasn't training. This wasn't shit. Was real now. There was no time. There was no timeouts. There was no instruct. This was like on you, man, to keep yourself alive and be smart. And I, that was a learning experience I'll never take to not take anything lightly. To always be on my shit, and I'm really actually glad that happened right at the beginning, right there for in that situation. Right. We go in, we sleep. Okay. Next we the mission ends up well. I'm going to sniper school. Sniper school, great. Partying hard, training hard. You know, a great, great school, great experience. And I come back, I'm a sniper. Okay. This is like we're now I'm in the train. Now we're now we're working up for an our deployment. And I am locked on. I'm like the golden boy at Team Seven. I'm getting early promotes. I'm getting you know accolades, attaboys, all this stuff. And um, I get picked up for the Yemen deployment. We go to Yemen in 2013. Just growing a beard and getting weird. You know we're out on fob. It's not a super hot deployment or anything like that. Yeah, but a lot working with the working with the counterterrorism unit and doing a lot of fid and um, security for the ambassador. But a good deployment overall, you know, seven, eight months out there just to kind of get my feet under me and as a you know new team guy. And I come back and now I'm not a new guy. I moved downtown and that discipline, I'm like, I've arrived. I have arrived. And almost immediately, I forgot all those small disciplines, which a lot of us do. All those small disciplines that get us to this point, and then we self-sabotage. Yeah. We get a little ahead of our skis, and then we self-sabotage. And it's so easy to correct, but we just, a lot of us don't do it. I didn't do it then. And I get arrested. Two weeks after coming back, get arrested. Another hook and book. Slammed on the ground, you know, like another hook and book. Nothing. This time I'm getting, I didn't even say nothing. It's like, okay, shame, regret, okay, concern, hangover wears off, I'm back on, right? Training hard, still, you know, I'm still 
the problem was is I was too almost too happy. And that's a lot of people I think drink or kind of escape. Mine was kind of the opposite. When I'm in a bad, you know, I I was just like celebratory. And that was that's that was the problem. I was just exactly where I wanted to be. Let's let's kind of get on it. And I was on this train for about a year where I'm working hard, partying hard, living the life, really just the momentum's picking up. September 2014, September 11th. Now that's where we're at, where I punch a guy in this bar on a training trip. And that one punch felt was a cascade of shit that I was like years in the making to try to like shed that one punch. The guy got pretty hurt. They, uh, I get arrested on the training trip. They send up representation in the command. It's a whole thing. I get pulled from the training cycle and I get sued by this guy. So I'm in, I get out of jail. I am fighting a court case, flying back and forth. You know, guys, you know, if you've ever been pulled out of a platoon or something and you're sitting on the sideline, it is a special kind of hell because you're like, just not with the boys. It's a lonely feeling and you did it all to yourself. That's the worst part. You know, a lot of this, all the shit I've done has been self-induced and that's like mind boggling and also just, just uh, unfortunate that that's such a common theme. And it definitely was in my life. The court postponed some dates. They kind of put it on delay. It's just kind of the judge wasn't going to be around. So let's push it off. And okay. But then the team's like, you know, I did my little courses in the military. They're like, well, there's no court date. He's out on bail technically, but he's got enough. Let's put him back in the training site. Yeah. So grateful. So I'm back at Land Warfare. I'm working, doing my stuff. And I'm, I'm, thank God, a breath of fresh air just to kind of get my mind off. And we're working, we're working. We're approaching the next trial because what they had given me was a six years in prison plus three parole deal. Fucking hell. With a felony aggravated assault charge. That was the stress I was dealing with because I was like six plus three for a punch in a guy in a bar. They said, yeah, because he was injured. It's This is the charge, and this is what the state picked up the charge. He's not even pressed. It's the state at this point. I was like, whoa, man. Like, And the thing was, I wasn't even concerned about the prison time. I was so concerned about my SEAL career that that actually made the decision easy. I said, well, if they're going to give me six plus straight, I have to take this to trial. I have to take this all the way. They said, there's a chance you can get 10 to 15 on you could burn for this just to make us a spectacle of you. I was like, fuck it. I don't care. Let's do this. I had a really good attorney, John Cox, the man, John Cox in Idaho, top tier. And I was like, okay, they're prepping me for a jury trial. It's, it's like getting real. Then the judge says, Hey, uh, you know, I said, Hey, I got a deployment coming up. I have a letter from the team that said, Hey, we, we, his quals will be very useful on this deployment to Iraq. We were scheduled. This was 2015, scheduled February now. 
scheduled to prep for the Missoula offensive, offensive, which was happening in 2016. Yeah. So we were so we were supposed to be flying in to northern Iraq in mm-hmm. 2015. And I was like, if I miss this deployment for this, I'm going to never forgive myself. I don't know what I'm going to do, right? I couldn't even think about it. It was too much of a head fuck. The court gives me a stay and lets me go to Iraq. They go, yeah, we'll let you go. The team, okay, the government, okay. Well, he can go to trial when he comes back. I was like, anytime, thank you. Let's That's push, cool. let's kick this can, let's push this can down the road. Let's kick it as far as we, as we are able. I'm fine with that. I get it, I get it. Back, two weeks later, I'm on a bird. I'm in Iraq. They say, I'm on a helicopter back at just south of Missoula. And we're standing up a fob, meeting with the Sunni tribal fighters who are displaced from the ISIS stronghold. It's kind of moving operations, you know, stringing Constantine wire. A lot of guys are still popular. You're, you know, construction worker with a gun at that point, you know, but it was right near the Ford line of troops in like the Kurdish ISIS front, that area. And uh, we're on deployment, and that was a challenging deployment for me psychologically. I was not in my best state there. I was working hard, but kind of like in a bad way, for sure, knowing that I was coming back to a potentially career-ending trial and prison time, and a likely was what it was. It wasn't my attorney said. It was likely that this is going to happen. I was like, oh, okay. And so guys were really excited about going back. I was not. I was thinking about joining the cursed fresh murga. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm like, fuck it, I'll just stay out here uh, and not deal with that. But that's obviously not what I did. And I went back and they kicked the, they kicked the trial down the road a little bit more of, you know, administrative shit. And then Finally, the trial comes and I'm like, okay, the day before the trial, they still have not broken the, the plea deal. I'm in my dress blues, hung over as fuck because I went out all night and I'm at the strip club till four in the morning. I'm supposed to be at the courthouse at like six or something. And I'm just smashed. Like I walk in the plank. That's kind of the way I looked at it. I was going to show up to court drunk, straight up and just absolute wreck right that's that was like the state of my life i was just an absolute like i was like resigned that i was just done i get a call from my attorney that more as i'm pretty much leaving the house he says hey we got a deal for you they are going to give you misdemeanors maxed out so four years supervised probation and you got to pay this guy all this money it was like a it was my whole Iraq check. I said, let's do it. <laughs> well, amazing. So I sign it, do the paperwork, and I had to go to jail for two, two or three weeks. So I'm in jail in Idaho. They check me into my dress blues, right? The cops wouldn't even put me in handcuffs, though. That was amazing. The cops were like, we're not putting this guy in handcuffs. So we're going to let him, you know, walk, walk, in, put a guy, a seal in dress blues and handcuffs in the court. It's not happening. So that was cool on him. Good old, they're good old boys. I yeah. know state in, yeah, it's that good uh, right wing part of yeah, the country. Yeah, been there. Yeah, oh, you have? Yeah. Oh, man, I know it's, I yeah. know it's what's up. 
Yeah. Bo- what were you Bo- doing out in Idaho? Uh, I was with uh, Nitro Circus at, uh, in Boise. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. You're mixing up with Nitro Circus out there. That must have been an absolute riot. Yeah, bro, yeah. Shit, man. That's cool. Yeah, beautiful country up there. Yeah, good potatoes. Um, oh, dude. They crush it, bro. <laughs> yeah. That's the spot. High quality. Yeah, man. And so I, I, get out, I take vacation. The team gives me vacation to go to jail. I get my top secret security clearance pulled, which is a major issue, right? I route some paperwork. We do some stuff. I check in with my probation officer. I'm not even supposed to leave the city of San Diego. I'm not supposed to drink, not supposed to do anything, but I'm a SEAL traveling all the time. I'm not supposed to own a weapon, but I'm a SEAL. Like It was a very bizarre situation, but a lot of stuff I think slipped through the cracks. But I, I don't even think it's reasonable i don't know how it happened but it was a miracle and so i i'm ready to rock and roll i'm like okay so throughout this paperwork i get my top secrets back it's like the world opened up the uh, the sky cleared sure i'm getting sued still for a quarter million dollars that's still pending i'm still dealing with that but um as an enlisted navy guy Right. Uh, like that's was heavy, but I was okay with that. I'll deal with that. I was back in it with that all cleared up. I had a demotion, but everything was good. I was locked in solid for like months. <laughs> and then I'm kind of like picking back up. Um, a little bit, a little bit chill. I was, you know, was, I was a little more locked, a little more calm about shit. But I was still kind of like, okay, when the, the girls start picking back up, and you know, I meet this new girl I'm really into, and I'm like, so excited about life. Yeah. At this, the, it looking back, it might have been the highest on life I've ever been in my life at this point. I'm about to go on my next deployment to Iraq. Finished my third workup, the third platoon. I finished, you know, a workup. I meet this new girl. I'm in love. We're going to a concert. I'm like, I remember sitting in the shower the night before going, I am the happiest I've ever been. I had this moment. I had that clear thought. I felt incredible. And the next day, I go to the concert. I get in a fucking, I, I see a golf cart. This is how this happened. It's how stupid. I was and how dumb shit is. Too drunk. See a golf cart in the parking lot. I hop in it, cruising with it, cruising around. It's the, like the county golf cart. It was like a county. Jimmy Buffett's playing on stage and wasting away again. This is, this is like <laughs> casual, man. I'm riding around in a golf cart. Somebody from the from the little fair had called and said some guy got in our golf cart, but I was just kind of cruising around the parking lot and uh, and. The cops pull up on me oh in the golf my. cart. I'm in no shirt, blasting tattoos, jacked as fuck, pumped on fucking juice, like just monster. And, and I go, oh shit, the cops here. I know if they run my name, I'm drunk. Yeah. I'm on, prob- on probation for a violent crime. Flagged. I'm getting flagged. Something's happening. I'm getting rough. Something's going to go down. So the cop goes, hey, man, what's going on? 
And I said, oh, nothing, just frozen. He goes, what? Well, whose golf cart's it? I'm like, ah, oh, some dude gave it to me. And I kind of looked down and I was like, boom. And I just, I took off, right? And I start running. I get tackled from one, one side. I get tackled from another side. You know, I'm in that flight mode. I'm not even tracking on anything. Two big guys on me, but I shed them like dry leaves. I get up off the ground and I'm gone again. And they let the dog on me. Then I feel a dog on my tail latch onto my ass as I'm going over this fence. That was like a chain link fence in the middle of the parking lot. Now I knew this is a concert. There's like hundreds of people watching this go down. It's I got no shirt, blast tattoos, dog on my ass, and I get the dog off me, you know, blast him in the face and go over the, the thing. And I get hit by the first taser. They the long ones. Yeah, yeah. They, they hit me with the thing. One hits me in the like lat, and I'm going, eh, I yank it. I'm continuing to run. Hits me in the other side of the one hits me in the other side of the back. Eh, I yank it. I'm continuing to run. Then one guy hits me right in the back of the spine where I can't reach it. And I'm I'm like, uh, uh. And they hit me with another one. And I go, boom, you know, face down. Boom. They give me all the love. I'm in a dirt parking lot just getting all the love. Oh, no. And, and now I'm in the back of a cop car, bloody, fucked up on my second violent crime charge. On, uh, on probation, about to go on my next deployment. I know I'm fucked, right? It wasn't even like, this was like, okay. I was, I was, I knew I was done. There's no chance. In the back done. of the top car. Yeah, it was, it was, it was toast. It was a very terrible feeling. And that morning was so low. I'm in jail, beat the fuck up, dirty. I bail out fast enough. Thank God I had a good credit card. I failed. I had like a hundred thousand. I put ten thousand dollars down to get out. So I'm hemorrhaging cash at this point, just for my mistakes. I get out. My sit little sister picks me up. And she's driving back. And she goes, "This is it, huh? You fucked up." And I said, "Yep, yeah." She goes, "You fucked up, man." And I said, "Yep." And I went back to like just the house or the hotel where me and that girl had been because I left. The girl's gone now, right? And um. I just laid on the couch and I get a call from the team. It's a Sunday at this point. You got to get the fuck down here. Like the whole SEAL Team 7 is mustered on Sunday because of you. They're checking everything and you got to get down here. I'm like, I'll be down there. Like, you know, you don't understand. Serious. You know, they're like, you have aggravated assault on a police police officer is what they gave, which is, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I would never, you know, I guess that he... When I got up off the ground, yeah. the guy got kind of his knee scratched, and he, that was just the charge. But I was like, "Whoa, I would never!" And uh, but that's what the, that was the visual of the team. They thought I like hit a cop or something. It was terrible. And I'm going, "Okay, this is getting serious." So I go down there and chugging water. You know, I hadn't. Done, I'm not. I wasn't even. I wasn't doing drugs and shit like that in, in the military. You know, that wasn't my jam. I wasn't the guy out there partying like that. I was just drinking too hard, you know? And so that wasn't my, my, I wasn't worried. They were like, we're going to drug test you. Okay, cool. Pass the drug test. And the master chief's like, hey, 
he looked in the eyes. He's like, can I talk to you? Like, this shit's going to roll downhill. He's like, are you good? And I looked at him. I'm like, I'm good. Like, he's like, are you going to off yourself? You know, that's what he's like, dude, are you good? And I was like, I'm good. He's like, I took one look at you. I knew you were good. Like, I knew you, you weren't going to like do something crazy like that. Cause, um, you know, it's your, it's your world, you know, guys who are purpose driven, like a lot of your, your listeners, I think, and you brother, it's like that guys with that storm, we need that purpose. Exactly. It's, it's everything. It's, we, we're very dangerous creatures and we're very miserable creatures when we don't have our purpose. Some, some guys can float through life and, and, uh, but that's not who's listening on this exactly. podcast. That's, that's not who's here in this community. Our community is purpose driven to the extreme. And, you know, I get chills talking about that shit because it's so fucking true. And that type of person also a lot of times has a self-destructive side for whatever reason that a lot of those times, those things are paired. And then definitely is, it has proved like that in my life. And it's proving like that in this part in the story for sure of the tale. And so there I am and I'm fighting another court case. Now I'm fighting not only just the, now I'm not only fighting this court case. Now I'm fighting the violation of probation court case in Idaho. So I'm fighting the legal trial in San Diego. I'm fighting the violation of probation in Idaho. I'm fighting the getting sued in Idaho. And I'm fighting the military with the military attorney on the NJP side. Three attorneys, two states. I'm hemorrhaging cash that I don't have. I'm My life's washed up. I, I, looking back, I don't even know how I was walking. I would go to the the base, go to the team. They were like pretty good with me though. SEAL Team 7 was amazing, the leadership. They're like, bro, handle your shit. It's all good, right? They were like making me do sweeping the floors and shit. They're like, come in, check in, and get the fuck out of here. Do your thing. They were really good. But I would go lay in my car, man, in the fetal position. I was at that point. I was meal to meal, as guys will understand. I was just hurting so bad as a human. I was in the fetal position. And, and I'm lucky at this point because in the SEAL community in San Diego, they have, we have some good people who are donors and, you know, good businessmen and that support the special force community and special operations community in San Diego. And I had some good mentors that I had kind of latched on with at this time. And so we used some, we kind of leveraged some contacts. I kind of knew the chief of police of San Diego. Also, I had met personally. So we put in some calls and the, the charge gets dropped down to a misdemeanor day of the trial. I signed the misdemeanor. It's like in San Diego, that was nothing. It was like a nothing, like charge. And I paid a fine and that was it. I wasn't even on probation or nothing. So I'm clear in San Diego, but I still have the violation in Idaho. Federal marshals come in a van to get me, to fucking extradite me, an active duty Navy SEAL to Idaho. I fight with attorneys. So, I mean, they're there with handcuffs. They, they were kind of illegally doing it. I paint that whole picture because that was the stress. Yeah, I end up kind of getting it cleared up. 
I talked to my attorney there and I just pitched him an idea. I had one of those cool moments of clarity where I said, Hey, can I serve time up there and just get off probation? Because my SEAL career is done and I'm on a misdemeanor thing there, but can I just serve time like I had done previously in my life to commute the probation? He pitched it. The judge accepted it. So I go back to jail. Again. Active duty Navy SEAL still. Second time in jail. So technically in the, I haven't been processed out of the Navy. I go back up for three more weeks. Same jail. Violent, violent felons, 24-hour lockdown facility. That's my second time there. The, 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 off, the COs remember me. They're like, this fucking SEAL's back. They're like, what the fuck, dude? And I get out. Timing is my DD-214 out processing paperwork's done pretty much the day I get out of jail. I sign. I'm out of the military. That's it. I got a general discharge. I got a general discharge due to uh, the, I would have gotten other than honorable because I technical oh, back up. I, I pissed hot for steroids. That's what they test. That's what Navy Jag got me on was because I was technically beating all these cases and getting misdemeanors and shit there to work. Sure. I was getting demotions, but I wasn't really like in the, they could boot me for it. They test me for steroids. They sent it up. It's an expensive test. Boom. They got, I lit that motherfucker up at this time in my life and I fail. No tolerance policy. It's looked at as drugs there. Strict. Boom. Out. PD use. Boom. So I'm signing out. The captain, the CO of SEAL Team 7 goes, this guy doesn't deserve an OTH. He's done good work for us. He has the power to level it up one. Fucking amazing human being for that. That's a That, that was a seriously bro move of he, him because that helped me out for, you know, medical stuff and things like that after you know we get banged up in this world and that was really really uh really cool of him because i all that would have been gone to me but the navy they go no more gi bill so they took all my government like college money that i could have that was they removed that that was part of the deal and i just signed the acceptance for the general discharge oh i'm out i'm in a civilian i'm a straight up civilian like no reserve time i mean i'm out and I start, I'd use those contacts. I wasn't an idiot during this time where I'm even kind of like prepping for jail and stuff. I had been for about three, four months prepping a job. So I got into, I was into real estate at the time. And I was, so I get into a supervisor position at a large private developer in San Diego. So I'm supervising a huge project, second on the theme. I don't know anything about construction. But I know how to work teams and I know how to figure out information. And we're doing well. It's a huge $750 million development. Huge. And I'm like the third in command. Drive around in a, another golf cart. But <laughs> learn it. And happy. Like, okay, I like, I'm out and I'm working. I was actually in a pretty happy, but I was blocking out kind of the what I had just lost. My whole world, everything I had ever wanted, to, my everything I had ever wanted to do since I was a child, law, t- just and I don't say taken away from me. I gave it away. That was it. I fucking gave it away with all my decisions and shit. And I was not aware enough then to realize that I hadn't taken that type of ownership of that yet. And I definitely, and I was proving that through what we'll explain now. I start immediately 
hopping on the addle. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be out here. Let's start pumping this. I'm going to be motivated for this shit, right? Made me feel good, made me work really well. So I'm on that. Then I'm on Xanax at night, kind of chill out. Then I'm kind of drinking a little bit at in the evening, you know, to kind of take the edge off. And I'm smoking weed now, right? Daily, because it's legal now, technically in California. So it's uh, so I'm smoking weed, I'm drinking, and I'm now I'm starting to go to the gym in the afternoons, and I'm sipping on a little vodka while I'm at the gym, right? That's kind of how it was like, because I'm I'm in a, a vodka in a water bottle mixed with water, and I'm just sipping. I'm like, might as well kind of get loose before I go home, like at the gym. It seemed reasonable at the time. It's just like what I was doing, and because with with the amphetamines, like I kind of wanted to mellow out. Yeah, like it was not it was not good for my psychological health, especially in my, in my and a lot of guys who are who, like I said, like we talk about that storm, that fucking unevenness. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. It's it's, it's dangerous because you can't maintain it. So this is going on for about a year. And my relationships start to get a little tumultuous. I know a lot of it's me. You know, just I'm not my best. I always say it's the man sets the tone in the relationship. You could be reactive or you could not be reactive. You know, you could be your set the example or not. And I was not setting any kind of example. And I was very reactive. I was, you know, getting violent with people in my life. I was, I was just a, not who I wanted to be. I have an opportunity presented to me through an old team guy who um, he goes, Hey, marijuana's coming legal. Let's get a company going, a marijuana distribution company. So I transition into that. I start working for a venture capitalist. And uh, now I'm in, I transition and I'm in like high rise. Now I'm, then next thing I know, I'm moved up in the company. Then I'm running a couple companies. I'm spent, spitting decks. I'm, pitching decks, I'm raising capital for different fucking companies, raising millions of dollars, flying around and and stacking bad habits. I like I for whatever reason, the emotional hurt. I had this, you know, the breakup and stuff during this transition. And I s- start on the opioids. Let's throw that into the mix, right? Let's that that's a great idea. If they were fentanyl, great. You know, I'm I'm sniffing pills at night, every night. Drinking Xanax weed every day, every night for a year. Like, I don't think I missed a day. Like, and I, and I was just so delusional and I was still being successful from the outside. That's why I, I could lie to myself. I could, I could go, well, I'm good, man. I'm making oh, uh, six digits a year. I'm doing this. I'm raising that. Um, I'm the CEO of this, man. Fucking nobody can tell me nothing. I'm crushing it. And fucking boom. I landed face first. Literally. I did a line and I fucking went down and smashed my fucking head on this marble floor on this like cut, just bleeding. The girlfriend comes in screaming like, and this was like all in kind of the business setting and it was. They knew I was done, right? They knew I was maxed out, toast. The boss goes, you're done, pretty much. You know, you've, you, you were good. You were an asset. Now you're a liability, which I think in our lives as men, 
that's what we are. Mm. You know, our utility is you're an asset or you're you're a liability. And that's in teams, in business, exactly. in our families' lives, our friends. As men, we're we're um we are our value is what we can do, who we can protect. Well, it's it's less about, you know, the comforts. Wait, what can you do? And you're either an asset or you're a liability. And I was a liability for ev- for me, everybody around myself at this point. So I, he goes, but, but we had a tight, me and the boss were tight knit. He goes, hey, look, I'm going to send you out to, they had some businesses in, on the big island of Hawaii. I'd been out there before. That's my spot. So I fly out. I, I move all my stuff out and I pop chocks and I'm in on the big island of Hawaii. In Hilo area. I love it. That's like, and I'm just on like terminal leave pretty much. Well, exactly. And I'm work and I'm kind of out there doing nothing, get cut off. You know, my work emails are taken. My and I change my phone number and I'm now I'm low. Now I'm low. I all that I got out of the teens and went right into that and then right into this. And I was on drugs the whole time. And now two years later, this is two years to the day where this all this goes down and I leave from when I got out of the military to where this is happening. Two years to the day, literally. I touched down in Hawaii and still doing a little opioids. Those kind of start and I'm coming down off opioids because I don't have any more. So I'm, co- I'm out of opioids for the first time in a year and I had never been out. And that coming off of an opioid addiction is, whew, that was heavy. That was heavy by myself. I've lost everything. I have my truck and like a bag. That's what I got. And I'm coming down. I can't sleep for a week. And I have to go to the hospital and ask them to shoot me up with some Benadryl. I go to like an emergency. I'm like, look, I like, I'm a a former SEAL. I know sleep deprivation. I'm like, I'm like maxed out right now. I haven't slept not one week for five days. So I do it. I'm there for a couple more weeks. And then everything starts to get cut off and the money's starting to run out now. But during this time, I'm starting to get French born Legion on my head. Again. That's when it, I had a moment. I had been, my the opioids kind of had finally coming out of the fog. I'm starting to work out again. And I'm like, I can go in the French born Legion. And it was a moment I go, there's nothing fucking stopping. I go, I got nobody, no wife, no kids. I got nothing. Literally. I'm okay. Let's let's start planning. Let's start getting my head around this. And then uh I get kind of the rest of the shit fell down on me hard. And um you guys had Jimmy Watson on here before. Yeah, right? mate, yeah. Bro, that's my dog. Yeah. Me and Jimmy are tight. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you a story about that that essentially offline sometimes, Jimmy. But he flew out there. He was dealing with some shit at this time, at this exact time. He was like, hey, man, we were both going through some shit. So he's in Hawaii with me. We're kind of for a week just kind of partying, doing the damn thing, but kind of like both burning in different directions. And um, I, he flies back. I, look, I drop him off at the airport. And from the airport, I looked at my phone. I had $6, no gas, nothing, no place to go. 
And I go, just, oh, fuck. I'm homeless. And I have no money. And I have no gas. Like it was, I had never been in that position before. I realized I was just, I drove to the jungle in Pahoa, Hawaii, just on the, the nose of the big island on the east side, on the wet side. And I parked my truck in the jungle and just sat in my truck for three days with a sawed off shotgun on my lap, eating Adderall, eating Xanax, drinking, sitting in my truck, like getting walking through the jungle, thinking about maybe jumping off a cliff, but realizing it's probably not high enough. Then I had this moment where I thought there's a volcano near me. I could jump into a volcano and I laughed and I go, I just started laughing, man. I go jump into a fucking volcano. I was like, bro, you can't even kill yourself normal. I was like, and it made me laugh. And that like feeling, it kind of went, bro, get the fucking pity party, bro. You pussy. I was like, dude, you are, I was just like, you're such a bitch, bro. Like, you're going to sit here like this. I just had this moment where I was just getting real with myself. I go, man, you have a mom, sister, families, friends. People try to reach out to me. I'm not reaching. You know, I'm cut off. And I just, oh, like, bro, grab your fucking nuts. Let's do this. We're going to French Four Leech. That's it. This is fucking bullshit. So I took out like some fast cash loans, you know, knowing, knowing I was going to be gone all i had i had like my credit was shit at this point and i just put my truck with some girl in in hawaii i was like just keep this i'll be back in like three years (laughs) and i flew out i left i left five days later after my affairs were arranged and i went to flew to paris baby touchdown october like fourth this week i touched down four years ago Touched out, it was raining. And I'm like, I'm in France. Okay, we're doing this. I got to get these drugs out of my system. And so I waited about a week, staying in hostels. I had no money. I'm like, you know, just barely getting by. But, and then I kind of plan my, plan my time, start taking everything away, flushing the system. And I go take my train out to Fort Nogent. And bang on that gate. I went bang, bang on that fucking gate. That was a moment. Just looking at that those stone walls and that iron wood gate and just knocked on it, man. And then my my trip started. You know, um, check in. There was actually an Australian checking in like the same day, bro. The same day in a South Australian. Could barely understand him. Yeah. You know, that English. So <laughs> South Australia, right? And um and yeah, it was a surreal experience walking in, get up on the pull up bar, do the things, and I was I was don't check it into the Legion, man. Far out. Just you literally jumped on a plane, ended up in Paris, knocking on the gates, and that was it. That was it, bro. And that's why I just I kind of gave my spiel leading up to this and now we'll kind of d- talk and discuss, you know, I had to get all that out there to kind of set the, set the tone of when I'm oh, not walking into the gate. I oh know it's, it's, it's just, it's absolutely fucking wild. Cause as you said, your life was up 
down, up, down, up, down the whole fucking time. And during that whole time, it was no one else's fault. It was your fault. Every single 100%. time. You got yourself to the pinnacle. You brought yourself back down. You took yourself back up again. You fucked up again. And it was just by the luck of God or whatever the fuck it was out there that kept you floating. Like literally, you know, you would fight these court cases and get the misdemeanor, you know, and it was just something was just keeping you floating or keeping you alive. Barely. Yeah. Like, fuck. Yeah. I've never heard that threat. Exactly. I've never heard of someone get in trouble so much in the military and survive especially a Navy SEAL. As you said, generally, they're pretty fucking strict. They'll just boot you on your happy way. Get the fuck out. Man, really, really, I was so fortunate and so stupid to just throw those opportunities away. I could not learn. My my head's like this table, you know, and it took me a long time of getting beat down. And the Legion getting in there was... So important for me. I knew I had to strip it the fuck down to the studs. I was like, I have learned wrong. I need to unlearn. You know, that wisdom is achieved through subtraction a lot of times. A lot of Not by knowing more, it's by unlearning. And that's what I had. I, I realized I had to do. I had to start to unlearn. And part of that was unlearn my ego. Uh, even though I think ego is actually very powerful and beneficial if it's hardest to it. You know, it, it makes us want to be, you know, that makes guys who, who are on this podcast, we run towards the chaos. That's what we want to do, you know, and, and uh, it's, it's that mentality, but we, I had to learn. I, something is wrong with the way I think. I need to start thinking differently or else I'm going to keep doing this. And uh, so I go, I got to strip it down, man. And that was, it was a humbling experience coming into the Legion because I was shark shit on the bottom of the ocean to these guys. Oh, you're a Navy SEAL? Hey, Navy SEAL can wash this toilet. Dead serious. For that first two years. Pretty much, you know, I was nobody and it was needed. That humility was so needed for me. And I I got my fucking, uh, it was hard, man, checking in. And when the guys started the interview process, I brought my paperwork so they could see. And that helped because they're like, okay, this guy is who he says he is. They looked up some stuff online. My interviews were a little bit more involved. They're like, why are you here? Why is the SEAL here at the Legion? And I told them, I was like, I just need another opportunity to burn some time. I needed to mature. This is what I told them. I was like, I need to mature. I need to reset. I need some time to like relax my brain. And it was like the I needed like a baptism of humility. That's what I needed. But I, I didn't. I couldn't articulate it that clearly. Then that's exactly what I was trying to explain. I need to not think, and I just need to do for a while. And the guy finally, and I got offered. I went through the selection, and the guy they offered me my legion legion contract. It's just wild. 
that the Navy gave you just so much opportunity, you know, like to fix yourself, but you didn't. No, it's- I couldn't. I couldn't because I hadn't changed my latitude yet. Yeah. Right. It's tough to get well in the same place you got sick. And I had made myself sick from the ego and the, just the lifestyle in that area. And it's, it takes a better man than I to be able to pull yourself out of that in the same environment. And I needed a just complete shift. Yeah, definitely. And as you know, there's every unit out there, they have that one or two guys that are just loose. They go out drinking, yep. they're always in trouble, and they always find that way to get through it. Were any of your mates like pulling you up going, mate, what the fuck are you doing? You like, know, you're uh, fucking us here. Like this is, this is my career as well. That you're They fucking. did at the end. Yeah. They did at the end. They're like, Hey dude, you got to get right. Like, dude, you fucking have a problem. You know, I got, I got called out, but I was like, man, I'm good. Right. I got this. I did not happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> did not happen. Proof and proofs in the pudding. You do not have it. It's like me and the shoelaces. You, you, you don't have shoelaces. Yeah. It's like that. And, but that was what I needed to shed. I needed to shed that. I needed to have that. I needed this, these five years here. You know, right now I'm at my chick's house in uh, Bulgarian living in France. So that's why I'm in Marseille right now. Usually I'm, I live on the base, but that, you know, I, I had a little time off during this week uh, by chance. That's what you hit me up, man. I actually took this week off by chance. Yeah. I had to get a little work done on my calf at the hospital and, uh, it just was worked out unbelievably good. But uh, so I get in to the process, checking into the Legion. And the interviews are go well, go well. I get into the boot camp and bro, I'm, I hadn't run in years. And I'm not a good runner, man. I am like the line of being a Navy SEAL. Like anyone behind me failed and everyone behind me passed. I'm that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm that guy. I just, I can sprint, but I can't run long distance. I, I, I can do it barely. And the Legion runs. These guys, the French military, it's a culture of running. It's like, that's, they're like light. They eat light. They don't eat a lot of calories. It's not like our philosophy. Yeah, we move, we sprint, but we got a lot of ammo and we roll. <laughs> so we roll heavy. That's how our cultures roll, bro. We get after, we send that hate. And, uh, but we love, they just roll a little bit lighter. And I was getting fucking hammered by these guys. These Russians, bro, they are all studs, Belarusians. They're all beast athletes. They're like, fucking Navy SEAL can't run. Like, look at this fucking guy. Like, you, oh, dude, chat like this. Just getting for miles and kilometers and kilometers and kilometers just for months, months and months. But I can shoot, right? We get out on that range and I light that motherfucker up. You know, they're like, okay. Like, you know, they see what's going on in the tactical side and, uh, and obviously in the pool. And then slowly the chatching stops, right? Then they're like, oh, this guy's just, we can't break this guy. He's just going to keep cruising at his face. He doesn't give a fuck what we're saying to him. And he can shoot and he can move and he can communicate, you know? And he, he and so I was giving kind of this like pass of the running stuff that I got, he's good, you know? And so, but I passed everything I need to pass, optional course. I'm 34 now though, checking in here. Mm. So I'm going through a fucking boot camp at 34, pretty much, which is humbling to say the least, but also difficult. And um, for emotionally, 
because I that was more the issue. I had your cold man. We're eating bread and coffee in the morning. I'm like I lost my whole life. I'm in the Legion with the kids from all over the a lot of kids, some older guys, but I was definitely on the higher end, and I just kind of in a low place for a while. But I got a gun in my hand. But I got a farmer in my hand. I'm, uh, I'm in it. I'm I'm going in the Legion. Let's make this a good story. That was my. I was like, I gotta make this a gangster ass story, right? And so I kept chugging. I get through, pass. They ask me where I want to go. Some of the Legion leadership. I asked for the parachute regiment because that's what I thought was the be all end all. A lot of Aussies there, a lot of Anglophones there, and they're like, "Dude, you're running shit. You're gonna hate it there because you know they're like." You're gonna need to run, and you're almost a little too big. They're like, we need, we they want lighter guys because you're, you know, it's static line. Yeah. So you're dropping like a sack of potatoes. I'm 34, 100 kilos. They're like, they want. They're like, bro, we have group commando, mountain commando group, who's deploying a lot. You have the mountain regiment that deploys a lot in general. If you want to go to that kind of special program, they guided me there. So that's where I went. That's where I requested, and that's where I was given orders. So I was given orders to the second engineering regiment is what it actually is, but it's under the 27th infantry brigade of France, mountain infantry, infantry brigade. And, and that's under the umbrella and just a space in a small village in the, you know, South, South of France. And that's where we, that's where I stayed, bro. And that's living in a barracks. Going on deployments, they sent us to French Kian right when I got there uh, to the jungle, doing jungle operations, con- controlling illegal gold mining activities, drug smuggling, deep jungle on the Suriname French Guiana border for four months. That was pretty cool experience. Any terror, any terrorism, domestic mission in France, patrolling, and then uh, we did a NATO mission last year. On the Russian border, attacked for the enhanced foreign presence battle group, which was attempts with the English, Danish, Estonians, and the French. We were the French contingent. Obviously, the Legion always leads the front. The French contingent, not not hot, but just you know running a lot of secure, you know security, mm-hmm. a lot of um, exercises with tanks. Man, we rolled out in the in exercise one time with eighty six tanks. In a, I was like, whoa! I had never seen. A movement like that, you know, they're, they're spending you know two million a day on gas, you know, <laughs> just on this you know exercise. It's crazy, man. But uh, English tanks rolling out. It was cool experience because then I uh, everything's in French here. Yeah, yeah. And so they get on your case if you speak English. They're like, "Hey, fucking parlez français là-bas, you know, speak French over there." It's like you get punished. But there, they're like, "Hey, bro." We need you to speak English to these guys. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> we need you to translate. So actually, I was like the guy. You know, they're like, "Hey, man, we need your help." You know. So then I've been pretty lucky with leadership and things in the Legion. A lot of Romanians, a lot of Ukrainians. A lot of them deserted to go fight, though, so, for obvious geopolitical reasons. And uh, in the interest, Mongolians, Nepal, Thailand, Colombia, Venezuela. Some some Canadians, very few Americans, 
I meet an Aussie every now and again. They're usually from the parachute regiment because you guys get after it always. And, um, but every walk of life, every country, you know, and, and it's fascinating experience hearing all the languages and all the, there's some guys, some serious experience, you know, and then you got some younger guys with no experience and uh, it's got, a, it's an interesting blend. And then we all speak shitty French to each other. That's pretty much it. Man. When you say that, obviously you got to speak French, you got to learn French. How'd you go learning French? Trial by fire on the job, man. <laughs> I learned we and no here. That's fucking wild. It, you know, I've, yeah. I've watched a lot of documentaries. I know a few guys that have been through the the Legion, especially back in the early days when it was a bit more, I guess, loose back in the early days. They accepted a lot more guys like yourself, troubled, you know, ex-soldiers is what they, you know, recruited back, you know, in the early 2000s. Uh, you know, obviously they come a bit more strict these days. Now, just in regards to the French Foreign Legion, you know, as you said, the the non-commissioned uh, soldiers are all from around the world, but the, the officer side of things are just French. Is that correct? No. It's changed. They have foreigners that, they have foreigners that can become officers. Yep. Yeah. They have foreigners that become officers. You got to be a stud and then you go through some extra selections and that's, that's kind of how that works. Yeah, right. I'm going to plug my computer. I'm going to plug this in. We keep talking. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And yeah. far out. Yeah. Like, how was the training within the Legion? You know, comparing to you your, know, I'll say, um, comparing to your Navy I'll life. say, yeah. Obviously, coming from that special force world, I, my, I think my, my thing is skewed in terms of what I experienced for training. Cause I feel like it was pretty damn good, right? We're shooting a ton. We're doing, you know, movements and, and I came here and you got to remember the legions, not a special force unit. Yeah. Right. It's, that's one thing that you got to remember. The legion is like its own in-house military. They have their own cavalry. They have their own cooks, medical the like group of 7,000, 8,000 guys, all one package. Jungle operations, mountain operations, desert, marine, everything. Parachute. So, but the, but it's like, I would say it's, it's a little more rustic. It's a little, well, obviously, less funded. You know, the Legion is kind of the redheaded stepchild of the French military, which they, you know, they embrace. So it's a little bit more rough or we're, we're allocated less money for food per day per soldier than the French military. Like it's just a little more rough. The buildings are a little bit more r- brutal. The, the environment's a little more rigid. But where I am, the mountain training is no shit. These guys are not fucking around with the mountain. Like they go they, up here in the French Alps. You know, Mont Blanc and all this is, you know, 4,000 meters. It's legit. You know, you're up there, 4,000, 4,500 meters. It's no joke. You're mountaineering with weapons and doing and skis. And and in the summer, it's, uh, I got my ass kicked. And I'll tell you how hard it is. The first mountain training we went to, I failed. I failed the training, the cell. That's how hard it is. Former Navy SEAL, I failed. 
that's I got my ass kicked. And they did a test where it's like a run up a hill with a with weight. And I just didn't make the time. I just didn't make the time. And you know, about 20% of guys didn't, but I was one of them. And I'm like, man. So I had to go back and do it. You know, and and, a, and so it's there, it's no joke. I, I had a lot of failure here. I experienced a lot of failure. Well, uh, it's training cells and things that was like I had never failed anything in my life. And now I'm like experiencing failures. So they push you. This is one hundred percent. You know, they have a little less allocation for ammo, which I think you know can understand. Which so they it's like the shooting is a little bit less mm. than what I experienced prior. Yeah, right, mate. And also, as you said, you know, previously in your your other life, drinking, partying. Have you been doing any of this since 2019? Oh, so yeah. So that's it. So I check in, right? And you're obviously cut off for everything. And I had some growing pains, right? I'm not just all fucking all 100%. And I think that that's uh, that a lot of people have experienced that, you know, you have this movement and it's, and it's in the right direction, but it's not hundred percent yet. Your, your brain's in that world, but it's, your actions and your habits of it caught up. But I was better. So I went out like, you know, I'd go out on a, but I still was losing that purpose. I was in the Legion now, but like when my time off, what do you do with your time off? Drink. That was, that was like, yeah, what I hadn't filled that yet. Yeah. yeah. That void of that habit of what do you do with time off? Well, you go drink. Like I was doing it in a different way. I had, you know, maybe one or two bad nights the first year, you know, and then the second year I'm like, no bad nights, you know, and then the third, I'm in 2022 now, now my daily habits are starting to catch up to my, my mind where I'm like, I have to institute more discipline in myself. So I start feeling better. So if our wake up time is five, I get up at four. My wake up times at four, I get up at three. That's what I do. So I started doing this and then I and doing burpees, stuff in the morning mm. when I'm like just hammering myself more. I was, and that, then I started to get this momentum and I started having this clarity come about me. Cause I'm like, I'm not gonna be able to help anybody until I help myself. I gotta get some time under me to pr- prove this blueprint. Because I knew what I needed to do, but I wasn't doing it, right? So then I started hard. You know, last, you know, previous year, I was like, this, I'm all for this. This is what I'm doing now. I'm going to get myself right. No more fucking around. It's time to get serious. And when I, when I made that choice, then it was locked on. You know, I'm, I, I will never go out and party. Shit. I just think it's a problem. I have so much shit to do now swamped with like i'm like let's do this up and not missing diets not not missing my macros not missing any workout no non-negotiable tasks everything i do i say i'll do once i started doing these things only then did i experience this massive clarity and inner peace that i had never experienced before well i was like oh i just the superpower is you just do what you say you're gonna do because People are out here wanting to wanting respect and they don't respect themselves. Wanting people to listen to them and they don't listen to themselves. How fucking asinine is that? 
hey, listen to me, but I don't even do what I tell myself I'm going to do. It's ridiculous. And and I think and I think it's it's everybody does it. You know, and nobody's perfect. I'm not some perfect thing in glass, but man, once I started just holding myself accountable to the things I said I was going to do, my world opened up and things started falling into place. And then when I started focusing on the greater, the lesser fell away. The, you know, I had to touch drugs here at all for you. You know, that's like that was a long time ago. I, I show myself that I still had the problem with overconsumption. Mm. I wouldn't say I'm like, well, it's not something in my head, but I said I would overconsume. I would consume irresponsibly, 100%. But then it just shifted to, man, fuck that. That's not the guy I envision of the, of the savage badass. It's some guy who loses his wits about him and acts like a fucking asshole. That's not cool. Right. That's it. So then I just was like, how do I try to help people if I'm not 100% fucking just stacked mentally in my daily habits? I have to, if you know, if I stumble, people are going to fall. I can't fuck up. There's no more room. And, and, and I was so grateful to come to that realization and that, and of those establishing those daily habits and then being able to gather them together and go, look what helped me. And I just want to share that with people that have been in the military say, you know, don't have that level of discipline or have never get that good morning process. Get your mind right. Don't open your phone, drink your cup, do a little stretching. You don't have to do Mike Tyson pushups in the morning like I do, but get yourself right. So you can be your best self for everybody and people in your life deserve it. Like we said, you're an asset or you're a liability. What do you want to be? I know which one I want to be. And, and so that takes me being difficult on myself. You know, as Marcus Urela says, kind with others, stern with self. And that's, I had to start being stern with myself. I was too fucking easy on myself. Yeah, I would. And I would, I would lie to myself, man, I'm a Navy SEAL, man. I'm a legionnaire, man. It's all good. No, it's not all good. You can be way better. You got way more to get. That ain't shit. Because the biggest battle I ever had was myself. No, and nothing like no, no training pipeline, no deployment. The biggest enemy I had was, was myself. Yeah. And I wasn't, I wasn't defeating that. And that is, I think, everyone's problem. You don't have to be in the military to understand that. We're oftentimes our own worst, and nobody can do to us what we do to ourselves. Is I love that. It's so true. And and I, that is not a finished product. It's like sweeping the floor. You don't just sweep it once and it's done. You have to do it every day. Fucking hell. This is, uh, it's just real. You know, I, I, I love it. I absolutely love it, mate, because you, you're, you've finally acknowledged that it's you. And this is what a lot of people don't understand, especially here in Australia, around the world, mate. People don't take accountability for themselves, for their actions that they've done. And that's, and I, and I guess, you know, you look back to United States or the Western world, Australia, but they're too fucking lenient. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they could have shut you, they should have shut you down the first time. Said, yeah. You know, they should have said, fucking no, get the fuck out, yep. you're on your own. But they gave you a exactly. chance, gave you a chance. And that's the problem with mm-hmm. 
places like Australia and the US, and it's probably more worse now because of the political correctness. People will just get a second chance. You know, murderers only do five years in prison, they're out. And we're, we're getting it here in Australia. You know, it's it's wild what's happening. And it's it's probably taking a place like France to wake you up because they're, they're fucking strict in France, especially for a US citizen. They wouldn't fucking yeah. give you a second chance. Yeah, there's, you, there's no joke. You punch they're a, not going to mess around. Yeah, you fuck around the police officer or punch someone in a bar in France as a US citizen, you'll go into prison. Yeah, you're toast. Y- yeah, so far out, mate. And, and part of it was is set yourself up, setting myself up and set yourself up for success. Yeah. And I I just, I go, I had been setting myself up for failure. Man, I am not going to find any great virtue or anything positive in a bar at three in the morning or in front of a bar at four in the morning. What am I doing? So, and how I look with the tattoos and kind of, I just realized I was getting these messages. Like, you know, we'd, I, we'd go out to a, get a drink or something here with a girl and stuff. But every time I'd go out, there'd be like a problem. You know, I wasn't in like, and that's it. But I just noticed like I'd get, you can't control everybody else around. What if some guy comes up and slaps your girl? Like, what are you going to do? You have one option. To be quite honest. And so why put yourself in that situation? Exactly. So I just choose not put myself in situations like that anymore. Where, because I can control myself, but I can't control what other people, right? And there's certain things that you you will have to deal with. And I don't want to put myself in a situation to have to deal with something. So I, I just, and coming to that knowledge, that mature, definitely not the mature is, but I'm mature is, that's been massively helpful, right? Just. Being good with self and not once I started to get that self-worth through the work, through the honest introspection, through the applying daily habits, they don't need to be regimented like some crazy shit and every 30 minutes. No, but you hit those main goals, you do what you do, you make some progress every day, you you're strict with your diet. And so you 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 understand what's going in your body. You're 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 hydrating properly. That's another thing I like to push is magnesium and salt. A lot of us are magnesium and salt deficient, which a lot, a lot of people I think puts anxiety in the brain that I don't think people understand. There's actually like some physiology that's happening. But setting yourself up for for feeling good with all those things, and then focusing on how you can help other people. You. Don't, there's there's no desire to go seek other other shit. I have zero desire to go to a bar. I, I'd much rather work on a business, rest, you know, relax with people I love. Like, like I always looking for happiness in the, all the places we lose it again and again. It's it's insanity, and it's it's been a real a real. Uh, pleasure coming to this just reality where I just feel good. Mm. You know, I just, I mm. feel good and I don't have bad days anymore. Like I don't have bad days because, and that's been like so refreshing and I just feel so good to have control over myself, not have emotional outbursts, not have 
not to have to feel this regret, do this damage control every Monday, you know, and make the call. Sorry. You know, it's like, now fuck that. The people in your life don't deserve that. You know, if you want to be the stud and the badass motherfucker, man, like, yo, you want to be the, then be good. Yeah. Then be good for the people in your life. That's the stud. You know, you don't have to do all this crazy shit, man. Be, be legit. Be that savage motherfucker by holding the line, like, and holding the line on yourself. Yeah, exactly, mate. Any of your former SEAL buddies reach out to you? And- oh, a ton, man. Yeah. I, I mean, I've stayed connected with them for a long time, but man, I got a lot of support from the boys, bro, up at the top, man. I got some seriously badass messages, bro, from like leadership guys I had back in the day that are working in some, some agents, some three-letter agencies and stuff like, hey, man, you're doing fucking good shit, man. You went off the grid and now popped up like making shit happen. They're like, that's badass. It, I've got all positive from our community. Did you tell anyone you're going to join the Legion or you just turn up and then- Not uh, a soul, yeah. man. I didn't tell anybody. Not a soul because I was like, let's do this. Let's let's make it a story. Let's go dark. I told my mom, my sister, yeah. and my dad. That was it. Just because I didn't want them to think I died or something. You know, it's just, that was it though. And then I went in. And then I didn't, you know, pump, pump back up for like another year or two, you know? Yeah. And just back to your old, your, your dad, we call him, when we say dad here in Australia, we call him your old man. So go back to your yeah. dad, mate. Obviously he was substance abuse, drinking. Do you think you growing up, understanding what he did influenced your behavior in the drinking and substance abuse? I would say um, there's a little bit of part that's genetic. There's like, and, and I don't, I don't like that. I'm a, it, oh, it's, I have a disease. That's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, I, I just think that that's, that, that's my personal opinion. It's not a disease. You don't yell at somebody for having cancer. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Like, it's totally like, like what it is, is it could, it's definitely a, a character flaw in where you consume irresponsibly. And you don't give a fuck and you're selfish. That's what it is. And that's what I was. That's why I can say that because I know what it was. It was me knowing it's dangerous, knowing I'm an asshole, but not giving a fuck mm. because you're sober when you start taking the, when you start, oh, no, you know, I'm all for people drinking responsibly shit. Like shit. you have your purpose and stuff and it frames everything good. And then you don't act like, but when you're, when you're like, oh, I'm going to send it tonight, stand by, man. Shit's not going to go well. It might go okay once or twice, but it's not going to go again. And when you start that decision, you're clear-headed. Mm. You're just being an asshole, right? That and that was me. Like you're, you know, it's going to pop, might end bad, and you're rolling the dice, but you're like, fuck it, I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do. And that, and that, that, that was just. That's probably that part is probably genetic just a character trait of a person of course you know and things that we were like our parents there's that and so i absolutely think that you know it's just you know, maybe a touch of narcissism who knows what it is you know and we all have part of it some more than others and i think that that was yeah i do what i want that's just i want to feel i want to feel like this and i'm going to do this not to mention the so i think the the military culture as well especially within the sf community and being a seal oh yeah 
Work hard, party hard. Well, we do. That's what we do. It's a warrior culture. We hammer that meat and beer wedge, you know, it's, we, they've been doing it since the dawn of time. Yeah. It's, it's our culture and we go hard. We go hard in the paint in all the directions. And especially when we're all around each other, it fuels the fire. And so it's very difficult to be responsible in a scenario like that. It, I mean, it is. And so it, it sometimes it just takes a little time and maturing and kind of pulling apart a little bit. Guys start to get families and, you know, things you start to kind of having a little bit more maturity and responsibility, ideally. But it's tough, man. You know, it's tough. I was worried about that yeah, coming to the Legion of what the culture would be like. And, you know, the, the French, they bring wine next to the water on deployment. <laughs> you know, like there's boxes of wine with the water on the on the choppers you know that's like they but they they go about it different yeah it's it's a little bit more classy they just they still drink their wine they get a little rowdy but they're not they're not going hard like we do out west you yeah. know uh, it, it, we go hard our, uh, our cultures go hard and they kind of a little bit more chill about it and i was worried about the, the legion though i was like man i'm gonna be going in there with like russians and shit these guys are gonna it's gonna be a nightmare for this but it hasn't been it was so surprising to see that. Yeah, there's some little bit of beer culture, but they don't slam hard liquor on bases in Tear D. They don't allow it because they know there's problems. And a lot of guys are sober, man. Straight up. A lot of these Ruscophones and shit, I think they come from hard backgrounds. Like mm. Dads were alcoholics and shit. A lot of these guys have gone the other direction. And they're just all about the fitness. And they're like, no, nah, I, don't, I don't drink. You know, like, yeah. they're hardcore, bro. That's and wild. so it always, it's actually been a, there's been no pressure like that and to, to act like an asshole. It's been much more professional. That. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. Right. Fuck mate. We've been chatting for two hours and it's been absolutely hectic, mate. Just to hear no, bro, it's been, story. It's been an absolute pleasure, bro. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure. Ab- absolutely wild. Because again, you've lived a up, down, up, down, up, down life and reaching the pinnacle of being a Navy SEAL. And then getting booted from becoming, you know, being a Navy SEAL. It's it's absolutely wild. Mates, I've got a couple of final questions I want to ask you. And obviously this first yeah, question. Send this, it, this, bro. this first question, this is the one, you know, this is the one that can uh, hopefully change someone's life. What advice can you give to people just to keep on keeping on, complete any goal they set their mind to and just to crush it in life like you've done now? Finally, it took you 34 years to figure it out. 34 years and moving country to even figure it out. Yeah. What, what advice can yeah. you give? Well, 38 now. Well, 38 about, now, yeah. Until about, yeah. <laughs> it took me about that long. Yeah. Uh, to keep on keeping on, to be successful, to set a big goal for yourself, success is subtractive. It's not additive. You don't add more to become successful. You identify where you need to start removing shit. You clear, you set your goal. Now, what does not get me to that goal? If your girlfriend is not getting you to that goal, she's gone. If your family is, is denying you to where you know this is a positive thing and you have had neck, they're, they're cut off. If, they're, if you have vices, if you have negative self-talk, even, that's not getting you. It's subtractive. And then you start and you start substituting and you sub- substitute bad habits or good habits. You remove things. You don't add more. You remove more. I think that's what people focus on. Get a pen and paper. Write it down. 
Like get it in black and white. What is helping me? What is not helping? Me? And then that list that's not helping you, get rid of all of it. That's how, that's how you get to a successful place, especially if it's a big goal. And also, if you want to get to that big goal, you can't want those extraordinary results acting like an average motherfucker. Never, you're never going to get there. If you want to get, you can't expect to be that badass dude and you're not acting like a badass, right? So you can't be normal and you've got to subtract shit. That's, that's like the two that I think and you'll get there. And if you don't get there, you're going to be way better off for going down a path like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mate, uh, second question. What is the plans for the future? Now, I think your term's coming up for the Legion. What is the plan? Staying in or moving on? No, definitely going to be. They know I've prepped them, but I was like, I'm going to do my five and get out. You know, the Legion, I've been super, super grateful. But an amazing opportunity and they gave me exactly what I wanted. It's a time to get right. And deploy a little bit also, learn some French and see some new, new experiences. But my time's done, man. You know, I'll be 39 when my contract's good, and then I'll be punching out of the next thing or whatever that is. Back to the United States. Dude, I'll be probably living kind of mobile, hostile, and agile. You know, I got a girl here, you know, so, uh, but she understands that I'm kind of moving around. I, I got to be, I got to follow this path. I know helping people is a huge part of that. Yeah. And that's been a, that's been a whole, I know, you know, if I could make some money at it, cool. You know, if I don't, I'll give a fuck. Cause I know that I have got to be on this path because it make, it helps me also, you know, it puts me in a good headspace to know I, I might have something that I'm not, I'm nobody special, but I am, I do know some things about how to feel good when you felt bad. And I think I, I can help people on that on some, on some simple shit, you know, keep it simple. And uh, yeah, man. No, definitely. I think, I think you definitely got, you're onto something because I'm sure the United States, I was only in the U S last year and they're having youth crime problems just like we are in here in Australia, mate, drugs, alcohol, 15, 16 year old kids just getting in trouble with the law, no direction in life. I think you've got definitely that. And you've got the background to, you know, you got the resume yeah. to, Go, yeah, I was I was that kid. I was that kid. I did this. Yep. I've you've done that. I've done that. You know what I mean? So I think you've definitely got something valuable to share and through this podcast and mate, the stuff you're gonna do in the future, as I said, with that YouTube stuff you're doing, it's absolutely incredible. It's uh, no, I appreciate it's, it's that, man. We got a lot more on deck with that too. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Awesome. I'll definitely uh definitely post it all. Mate, third question now. Outside of being a badass, outside of being a, a Navy SEAL, outside of being a, a legionnaire, tell us something about you that people don't know. A guilty pleasure, a guilty obsession. Obviously, you're a fitness guy. You probably like eating some yeah. cake late at man, night. Man, dude, two small things, man. I, I, uh, I'm a big chess player. Chess. Dude, I'm a big chess player. I've been training chess since I was like five years old. Mm. And I play on my phone. I play five-minute games, Litz games, like two, three times a day, people from all over the world. And I've been playing for years. Um, still not that good. I still get beat by the small 15-year-old Chinese girl every time, you know? Uh, but, uh, and also, man, dude, uh, man, I, I sip on, on 
low calorie, sugar free now, watermelon juice, man. Like 24 watermelon flavored water. Oh my God, dude. I know it sounds ridiculous, but that's like, it's, uh, I, I'll, I, you'll see me with the thing of like watermelon <laughs> water, like all the time, dude. I have a little, that's my, my new addiction. And that's exactly what I do. I go to the shop, buy a whole watermelon and I grind it down. Oh yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love it. You're a watermelon guy, bro. That, L- that's, oh, my, that's my jam. Last, <laughs> yeah. Get it up. I, I, I've got these uh, jugs at home that I fill up. One liter jugs oh, I fill dude. up and it keeps me going for about five days. You're one of the only people I know that does that too, dude. It's so that's, good. That's my, uh, my flavor. <laughs> yeah, nice. Mate, uh, two more final questions. Uh, favorite movie or TV show? Oh, man. Dude, my favorite movie, honestly, it's uh, it might kind of throw people off, but bro, it's actually from your neck of the woods, bro. Chopper. Yeah, Mark Chopper Reed. Yeah, Chopper. Yeah. That movie it was in like 2000. Eric Bana did it. Eric Bana, yeah. That's my favorite movie, man. That movie had a moment. It kind of changed my life. Yeah. I was getting out of jail and I rented that movie just by chance. And I had that moment and that's when I was getting a DUI. I was getting arrested and uh, I just had this moment of like, man, let's keep pushing now. Like, you, you, like it was just in a transitional moment where I was kind of getting down and I saw what he was going through, but that movie is just artistic, a little weird, but, but I love that movie. Yeah. That was him. Mark Chopper Reed, mate. He was, uh, yeah. Mark Chopper Reed. Dude. Yeah. That's, that's him. Yeah, he There's a guy sitting in a cell <laughs> and he writes a fucking bestseller. <laughs> can't even bloody, I can't even bloody read. I'm fucking illiterate. <laughs> mate, it's, it's a, it's an Aussie classic. Absolute Aussie classic. He only passed away a couple of years ago. Two or three years ago, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. He was down to Tasmania or something, man. Yeah, was- trying to live a quiet yeah. life at the end, but yeah. Yeah, mate, yeah. <laughs> mate uh, final question, music. Now, you're a gym buff, mate. You're a big fucking boy. Obviously, for me, when I go to the gym, mate, you won't, you won't, you'll probably laugh at this, but I listen to Mariah Carey at the gym. It just brings me back nah, down dude. to it. Brings me yeah, back dude. down, yeah. Um, no, dude, I'm a, Dude, I'm a trance guy. Oh yeah, and also a hip hop guy. Yeah, hip hop. Yeah. So I listen to kind of trance trance music. I like um, those female vocals. Yeah. And and hip hop, gangster yeah. rap, kind of. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm all about that too. I just find that if I don't, if I listen to something like heavy metal and stuff, I just want to crush stuff and just. Yeah, it's a rare it's a rare thing. I love Parkway Drive was one of the bands that's from Trinidad. I actually really like, but I it's a. I'm up already. It's yeah. like, I like to come down a little yeah, bit. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to end up in prison again. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Mates, um, again, uh, where can people find you? So you can get me on YouTube, TCAP TV. That's where we're uploading twice a week, every Monday and Thursday. And on my Instagram, TCAB official, at TCAB official. And those are my two. And it can, DM me or to comment on me and then we'll, we'll hit up the emails and stuff if people want to get kind of a little bit more in depth, but I'll be on those and that's where I'm at. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Mate, again, really appreciate you giving me your time and sharing your story with the, with the man, listeners. This man. has been a pleasure, bro. Yeah. Thanks for letting me run my stuff for a little bit. You know, I, I appreciate that. That's, you know, the, the story you've got is uh, so beneficial and I'm sure it's going to be beneficial to a lot of people. That uh, especially guys, young guys in the army, because I was one of those guys, you know, up and down, getting in trouble, getting in trouble with the yep. law, getting in trouble, you know, doing drugs, so, um, you know, drinking, drinking was the biggest thing, 
you know, the, yeah, yeah. it's just the culture. And I, yeah, I don't really drink anymore. So, which is, you know, especially it's, it's unhealthy. We, well, we don't need to put ourselves through that shame. Yeah. Which comes from it, yeah. you know, and, and what it's, it, let's just be easy on ourselves a little bit and not, and love ourselves by not doing destructive things that make us feel like shit. Yeah, exactly. Mate, uh, far out. I'm sure I'm going to be in France one of these days or wherever you're going to be, mate. We'll have to catch up one day. Dude, dude, I want to get down to Australia quick, fast, and in a hurry, yep. bro. Trust me, I'll be out of here and I'll be mobile around the world in 11 months. Yep. So yep. I'll be down there. Calm down, mate. Let's go for a gym session. That'll be amazing. All right, brother. We'll speak to you soon. Hey, bro. Out here. Catch up. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Wait, wait, wait. Now, quickly, just before you go, I want to tell you about Three Zeros Coffee. Now, as you know, I like my coffee how I like my men, long and black. <laughs> However, lately, I've moved into the cold brews. I'm loving it, obviously, because the weather here in Australia at the moment is quite hot. So what I've been doing is using the seasoned campaigner pour-over filter bags, literally rip open the packet, put the filter bag over my coffee mug, few ice cubes, pour in some hot water, let it cool down, add a sugar or two just to make it sweet, and I fucking love them. Honestly, you get the kick that you need out of the caffeine, and the taste is great. So if you want to get yourself a supply of coffee, head over to 30scoffee.com.au. From there, you can choose whatever you want. You've got the beans, you've got the pour-over filter bags, got some merchandise, and just to let you know that a percentage of their sales is – forwarded to organizations that support first responders. So while you're getting your coffee, you're doing a good deed by getting some of this money to the first responders and where it needs to go. While you're there, don't forget to use the discount code 3ZLIMITS. Now look in our buyer, you see that discount code, use it, get your discounts. So again, jump onto 30scoffee.com.au and grab yourself a supply.